Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. I'm the host today, Kim Schlag, and with me is Katie Crocus and Marcy Nevin. Hi, ladies. Hey, Kim. Good morning. How are you? I am well. How's everybody else doing? Good. Now that I was able to drink some liquid and some caffeine. <laughs> welcome to the land of the living, Marcy. Feeling good. <laughs> I was telling for the listeners, so I've been doing quite a bit of testing recently. Uh, one that I did, I talked about last week. So the MRT, a very comprehensive food sensitivity test, which I was worried about. I'm like, am I going to be reactive to everything that I eat and have to completely overhaul my diet? So when I got the test back, the results, because I was given them before my coach was uh, just to look over and I'm like, okay, actually this doesn't look so bad. I was sensitive to coffee, which is unfortunate because I love coffee. And my most reactive food, I can't remember if I said this yesterday or last week was vanilla, which is going to be really hard because it's in like my protein powder and it's natural flavors are in so many things. And I even contacted the almond milk company that I use and love. And I asked them, I said, Hey, you know, I just realized that I have this vanilla sensitivity. Can you tell me if there is vanilla in your natural flavors, even, even though it isn't unsweetened almond milk. And they got back to me and said, no, they're like, it's a proprietary blend. We can't tell you. I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to go out here and make my own almond milk. Right. <laughs> your competitor. Right. <laughs> like, what? Not great customer service. It was not. I'm like, well, you, like you just lost a customer. Right. You know, when yeah. I can go back to using vanilla next year. Um, yeah. So that's kind of unfortunate. It's just, it feels like a lot of, a lot of work to try to figure all this stuff out. So I did have my check-in where we went over the test yesterday. And some of the things that I thought were okay are actually a little bit on the high side. So cocoa powder, coconut, almond, a lot of the things that coconut, that I, isn't that one? Oh no. Banana chips is your favorite. I was thinking, yeah, oh, oh, but, but bananas, bananas are one of my highest sensitivity foods. Oh no. I don't, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if that will, um, mean that plantains, which I like even better. Oh, that sucks. I got to figure that one out. Um, no, but yeah, just so much, sensitive to so event, much yeah. like hyper vigilance. I was going to the store yesterday. I'm like, okay, well, what can I eat now? And then I was trying to make dinner last night and I was just trying to salt my food and I turned out over the label and I saw that on this Trader Joe's, it's like a garlic salt. I read the ingredients and there's parsley in there and Parsley is one of my other reactive foods. Parsley? Parsley, just like random things, you know? So yeah, they're all, it's like on a scale of um, green, yellow, red, but then each food also has a number. So I have to stay below 1.6. So anything that's a 1.6, I have to cut out for at least a couple of weeks. And then some things like the vanilla up to a year. So that is, it's going to be challenging, but you know, I was talking to somebody about this. I'm like, I don't want to just be average. I like my health feels good right now. Like I'm in a good spot. I could continue going as is and be fine. But I'm like, I want that extra little 1% out of my body, out of my, you know, my life, whatever it is. I'm like, I mean, who knows? Maybe this won't do anything, but it's worth a shot. So 
if it does help with my skin issue, if it does help with other things, then why not give it a try? So that's where I am. And then yesterday I was doing a hormone test. Um, that's two days and you can only drink 40 ounces of liquid or like, Oh, that's no problem. But it is, you don't drink or you don't realize how much like liquid you actually consume aside from just like plain water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I felt, uh, very parched <laughs> yeah, mm. yesterday. And you're back so I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm you're done. Back. Okay. That's good. Yes. I'm back to the land of the living. Yeah. You know, Mars, I just got some test results back too. I was talking in my stories recently about how I'm still like, I'm like you, like, I'm okay. I'm doing real well, but I want to just get that edge. And I felt like I was having issues losing my hair. And like, that was really what kind of triggered me to dig a little deeper, despite the fact I feel better on a lot of levels. And so I had a, a cellular micronutrient test done where they actually measure what micros are being absorbed at the cellular level, not just what's in your bloodstream. And it was realized that I am not, I am way low on my amino acid profile, which is insane because protein is not a weakness for me. It never has been. I don't know that it ever will be. In fact, every now and then I, I, I do still track macros to ensure that I'm getting my fat into the eighties. Cause I'm trying really hard to keep that high and, and monitor my protein to not shoot super high up because it's just so easy for me to do. And it's not even due to like protein treats. It's like, I just want an extra slice of, you know, Buffalo chicken on my sandwich at lunch. Like that's the kind of, that's where I'm hitting roadblocks. Right. So I had to figure out what's going on and I'm seeing that I'm deficient in my amino acid. So I'm back to taking BCAAs and EAAs and amino acid synergy vitamins to try to get my uh, absorption on a cellular level back. And so it's like, I talked to about how there's a, a stool map test that's still outstanding. I haven't gotten results. Hopefully that will tell this, this tells me my what, hopefully that will tell me my why, but mm. I'm with you where it's like mind blown because I, it, I just didn't think this could, one thing could, I'm connecting the dots here and I'm not seeing a pattern yet, but I don't want to stop until I do, or until I get some like root cause answers, because I care. I really want to know what's going on. And I really want to get back online. Well, it also to, to benefit from what you do. So you're working yeah. hard in the gym, you focus on your nutrition. It's frustrating to feel like you're doing all the things you're checking all the boxes, you know, on paper, you are so healthy or you live a very healthy lifestyle. And then you still have these issues creep up that mm. yeah, are not allowing you to, to benefit from the fruits of your labor, so to speak. So yeah. I will be very interested to see what those results are. Did you do the GI map? Yes. Is that what it was? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what's the, what's the other, what's the nutrient test? I want to do that. Uh, CMA cellular micronutrient assay, A S S A Y. And, and it, and it showed me exactly where I'm deficient again in, in absorbing nutrients at the cellular level. So things like magnesium, um, mm -hmm. also, which I take on a very regular basis is, are there not, it's not being absorbed. Um, so, you know, I've got some, I've got some work to do, but the majority of everything fell within the amino acid profile, which to me is most disturbing based on my protein intake. So, you know, to be, and it's, it's not what you eat. It's what you absorb. Exactly. So, uh, Kim, I'm going to throw it to you real quick because we're doing a little health update here. I would love okay. to know how is your health with the, the foods that you had to cut out? Oh gosh. I was hoping you guys wouldn't ask because I'm feeling, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm feeling a little superstitious right now. And I'm having a test done on Friday that I'm actually, I'm not nervous about the test, but I'm nervous about what they might find. Cause I have a serious anxiety issue about the idea of going under anesthesia. And I'm worried that they're going to tell me I need my gallbladder out. 
and Mm -hmm. like really like I even just now like I'm having like a little bit of like anxiety just even Mm -hmm. saying this um I think I've mentioned this many times before in all different settings, but my doctor is my good friend. And we were just sitting next to each other at church. And I was just telling her, no, she's my primary care physician. And remember, because of my long COVID, I have like a lot of doctors. So I was just kind of updating her about like what I'd been going through. And she's like, Kim, this sounds like when I need my gallbladder out. She's like, do you remember like I had my gallbladder? I'm like, oh my gosh. She's like, let's just get you, let's just get you a gallbladder ultrasound just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's not at all what I was thinking because So many people who struggle with long haul COVID have the symptoms I'm having related to um, reflux and all of these other like gastrointestinal issues. So I just assumed it was that. So I have um, going in Friday for my ultrasound, which is nothing like getting an ultrasound is no big deal, but I'm worried that they're going to tell me I need my gallbladder out. And honest to goodness, like it just makes me so nervous to think about going under anesthesia. So I'm well, trying not I'm to think about it. I'm sending you all love. Sorry that I brought something up that I had <laughs> no okay. idea about. But Kim, That's okay. Kim, I was going to send you guys in next week after I knew one way or the other. Cause like, if they tell me I need it out, I need it out. Like you just yeah. don't keep your gallbladder if it's inflamed, like if it needs to come out, it has to come out. So, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some things offline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you, Kim. Don't <laughs> all worry. Right, so I'm going to change the subject about something that's totally frivolous, but it's so <laughs> interesting to me. And it's like really tough. Okay. I have one, I have one frivolous thing to say, and then one more important thing to say. So here's my, fr- and we really do have a topic to discuss today. <laughs> we'll get there. In the breeze a lot. Maybe. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. I just, so as I, I, I've mentioned you guys, like I don't really follow any fitness people anymore, but I still like to check up on my friend's content. So every couple of days I'll be like, I'm going to like look up and I'll think of somebody. So today I'm like, I'm going to go look at my friend Jordan's content, Jordan lips. I'm like, I haven't looked at that. I haven't seen this. So I'm just like scrolling back. And I saw this post and I was like, this can't be true. And I tried it and it worked. It is that I messaged him and he was laughing. He's like, this is literally my contribution to the fitness industry. You guys might know this. I didn't know this. I hate when you're working out and you want to film yourself. You can't listen to your music. Like if I'm doing a heavy set of deadlifts, like I want my music, but I need my phone to film. There's a way to keep your music on. Well, film it. Stop and he it. How to do it. And I did it and it worked. Okay, Walk us through it right phone. now. You have an iPhone. Like I'm telling you, like this was like, this is life-changing, like on the micro level, obviously not life-changing for big stuff. Okay. So go to where you're going to film, like put some music on. Look yep. Okay, you guys want to hear what song I listen to? I, I like to choose one song. I listen to it a lot. So this is the song I listened to for my entire workout yesterday. It's the Spice Girls. <laughs> All right, so my music. Not a bad on. choice. So the mu- put the music on and then you go to your camera, but you do not choose video. Go to your camera with your music on and you choose photo. You yep. push your finger on the button and slide it to the right. And it immediately starts filming. So it is literally filming me. Yes, now. it does. That what okay. the heck? How come no one talks about this? So Kim, can I ask? Does it record the music as well, or does it just keep the music on? Uh, I don't know. Let's look and see. Let's look and see. I honestly, I don't even know, and I don't. I guess personally, I was like, I don't even care if my music's on. Let's see. To the right, and it immediately starts. Yeah, it recorded my voice and the music. But the music's like background level. You, you know what? I don't have the music when I did it. I have your music because you're, <laughs> but I don't have mine. So that's interesting. Yeah. Isn't that, that is, the coolest thing? Yes, it is. I was just like, whoa. I okay. Need, I need I that. Mean, and we're going to say a lot of important things in the podcast. So please stay tuned. But that, if you take nothing away, that's amazing. Like if you learn nothing else from us today. Because first of all, everybody who lifts should be filming their lifts. 
ladies, you should be filming your lifts, even if you don't send them to a coach, because it's the best way to learn about how you're lifting. So film your lifts and watch them back. But I hate, especially when it's like a big lift, like I'm heavy squatting, I'm heavy back squatting, like, or heavy deadlifting, like, and I need that pump up energy, but I also want to film the set. I don't want to bring like an extra piece of equipment down there. So yeah, that's my, that's my very life-changing, but, uh, you know, micro level thing. The other thing that's obviously weighing heavily on everyone's mind is how to help people in Ukraine, right? Like Mm -hmm. everyone's thinking like, what Mm -hmm. can I do? Obviously everybody, those of us who are faith believers were praying, but you know, you sit around thinking like, I got to do more than that. But I always do get nervous about like, where do you send your money? Like, who do you give your money to? Because it just feels like, so like, how do you pick? So I've spent a lot of days like working, looking into this. And I finally picked this morning. You all don't have to take my uh, word for this, but if you're looking for somebody, like I've just spent a lot of time, like looking at this organization and the one that I've selected is I want to make sure I, oh gosh, someone's calling me. I'm pulling up my phone. Cause I want to make sure I say their name correctly. I believe it's world chef kitchen. Hang on. WCK. Yeah. World central kitchen, world central kitchen. And they had this, this like professional chef who started this and they actually bring fresh food to the disaster area. They're like, they call themselves, um, frontline. What is not frontline? What's the word? What's the first responders? They're food first responders. So they show up at disaster areas with like fresh food and they try and use like local people, obviously not people affected and they set up food. So they're there now. Um, in, I think it's Poland and some other places there, and they are cooking fresh food for the refugees. So that's what I've selected. So if you're looking for somebody, don't just take my word for it, but look into them. There's plenty of out there on them. So World Central Kitchen, that's who I've decided to go with. That's amazing. And I I did see somebody post that um, Ryan Reynolds and his wife are are matching donations made, I think through probably you can find that link through their social platforms. As and well. are they doing that as in like anybody you donate to, they donate to, they match it. I think it's through their platform. I, th- I think it's through the platform that is tied to them. Got it. Got it. So that's my heavier, my heavier topic to, to think about. Mm-hmm. All right. But now we will get into our actual educational discussion today, rather than just what's on our own minds. So what we've decided to talk about today is reverse dieting. Um, useful topic that a lot of people are interested in, and maybe you've heard it and you're like, what is it? How do I do it? Why do I do it? Do I even need to do it? And that's what we're going to cover today. So ladies, let's, Katie, why don't you give us a little bit of information um, from your perspective on what reverse dieting actually is? Okay. So at its most simplistic level, I'd say it's the process of slowly increasing your calories from a deficit or a very low unsustainable place of maintenance that's been established, like whether intentionally or not, maybe you were in a deficit and targeting low calories, maybe not. Um, but adding calories each adding certain number of calories per day, and then increasing them each week or two in an effort to restore metabolic health while also, um, having minimal fat gain as a side effect. Mars, anything you'd like to add? She pretty much nailed it when it comes to the definition. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. Um, it feels very, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it feels like really complicated, but it really is the idea. You're just adding calories back in um, to get up to your maintenance level. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. really what it is. Um, so let's talk about when you have used this with clients or when you have used this with yourselves. Um, we can kind of each go uh, around and talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's start with you, Mars. 
Okay. So I use reverse dieting with all of my clients when they are coming out of a fat loss phase. And I really encourage them to not stop coaching after they have reached their end goal. Or even let's say that someone comes to me and they have a more significant amount of weight to lose. So 20, 30, 40 plus pounds. Well, most likely, I mean, 20 pounds maybe, but anything more than that, you're likely not going to get that off in one round of fat loss. So I suggest for someone to break it up into chunks or into seasons, which can be very difficult. But I do, yes, encourage clients that even if you reach your weight loss goal or you have not yet reached it, but we know biofeedback is showing, or maybe you have that diet fatigue going on, that it's time to end the deficit, then stay on so that I can help you with that reverse diet process. Because one, it is a very, um, it's, I don't want to say, I mean, it can be a mentally challenging time, but it's a very important time for, from a physiological perspective, based on like what is going on with your body at the end of a diet. And then also mentally, it can be challenging because when you start to walk up food or calories, then you are going to put on weight. And for most people, like we do have those hyper responders, which it bothers me when coaches choose to put those people up on their Instagram as like a success story or a testimonial, because the whole reason somebody is losing weight in a reverse diet is most likely because or not most likely because they're still in a deficit. So yeah. if you're doing these like very incremental, like, oh, 50 calories every two weeks, just to mitigate as much weight gain as possible, then you're still in a deficit. So if that is the and case- And you can be for quite a long time, depending yeah. on how slowly you're moving. Exactly. Exactly. And there are some people, you know, if they have a really poor relationship with food or their body, then I will agree, um, you know, for that person's mental health and well-being to maybe take a little bit slower of approach. Is it what I like to do? Not necessarily no, but I would rather that client be a little bit more comfortable than freak out and, you know, <laughs> ghost me or whatever. Uh, and then they, you know, end up with more issues down the road. So um, yeah, just from a physiological and a psychological perspective, having a coach with you to go through that process, not even to know like how much should I be increasing because I'm going to be the one monitoring the data and the biofeedback, but, you know, keeping that person from one overshooting, because this can be an issue too, where you, you end the diet and maybe you do have that diet fatigue and you're really hungry because your body's trying to keep you safe. Like it wants you to put that body fat back on. So now you kind of go off the rails, you overshoot, you get a little loose with your tracking, you know, floppiness creeps in. And then before you know it, you have gained an excessive amount of weight um, because you went about it the right, the wrong way. Or, you know, someone, they see the weight gain happen and they want to pull back. They want to go back into the deficit. So yeah, it's, it's a very tricky, but important time in the process. I would say much more important than the actual deficit itself. Mm -hmm. Katie, what do you have to add there? I would add that. I would argue actually that once you've reached your goal and you're at, you know, the bottom of your cut, you're only halfway there. And you have to kind of think of the reverse diet as something of an insurance policy. Like you worked real hard to get where you are. If you want to keep that, you have to be intentional about getting out of your cut. Now you think you, it's sort of like ascending a mountain and you get to the top and you're like, wow, this feels amazing. But you know what? The air is super thin. Like let's come back down to earth and start living our lives with everything that we just 
gain from that experience. Um, and so that's sort of how I, how I look at the reverse diet. And I've actually begun clients who still want to lose weight with a reverse diet. And nobody likes that, right? Like nobody wants to hear you're going to start eating more calories before we can start to uh, achieve some physique goals, but it's so really you're saying like clients who come to you and they've already been in a deficit for a long time. Yes. And you're like, we're going to start by not being, or, or maybe they're in maintenance, Kim, like maybe they are at that, that client that always heard that, that number, what that 1200 calories a day, or uh, listen, maybe you're six feet tall. And that number for you is 1700 calories a day, but you can't live anymore. You can't be adherent. You're having a hard time staying at this, whatever this low, low number is. And you need a metabolic reset before you could possibly achieve some, some body, body composition goals. Uh, and so in a case like that, I would um, plan for a reverse diet. It doesn't have to be a super long one, but I would plan for like four to six weeks of a reverse diet before we would begin a deficit to try to get, try and just see how the body responds to it. And if you're someone who um, gains weight immediately and maybe, you know, we're just taking like small increments and your body is gaining immediately and holding onto it. That's really good data saying that you are not in a place to reduce calories and try to lose weight again. So I think how somebody responds to a reverse diet says a lot about where their body is and, and how they um, can continue to achieve their goals. Now I haven't had that experience where I've had people come to me and they're like, I'm eating maintenance, but I, I'm like, they can't lose weight. Calories. No, mm -mm. typically when people come to me, if they're not losing weight, it's because they are eating more than they think they're eating. They're mm -hmm. like, I'm eating, I'm eating 1200 calories. And then what we realize is no, you're not like on paper, you're eating 1200 calories on your app. You're eating 1200 calories. Mm -hmm. You're eating way more than 1200 calories. And so my, my job there is to help them figure out like, where are those calories? Mm -hmm. But I do use reverses a lot at the end of main, of the end of dieting phases with clients who are ready to move on, um, to be in maintenance. I do have multiple ways of managing, Hey, we're heading to maintenance depending on, um, the, the individual personality. And I don't really have one I favor overall. It really depends on the person. And I kind of present several options to them. And one is a reverse, as in we're going to slowly move up your calories um, until we get you up to your maintenance. And we can see, and if people are like, well, how do I know when I'm at my maintenance calories? It's going to be, you're going to have to track closely what's happening with your weight. And when you see the trend line flatten out, and remain flattened out. And remember, that's the trend line. It's not like you're going to hit a certain weight and be like my weight is 140 and now I forever stay at 140. Your mm -hmm. weight is still going to bounce around. Now I'm 143 and now I'm 141. Now I'm 140, I'm 139. It's still mm -hmm. going to bounce around just like it does in a deficit, but it's going to, when you look at the overall trend, you're going to see that it has flatlined. That's how you know you're there. So I do work with some people in moving it up in small increments. 100 calories three times a week is usually where I would start. And then after a week or two, depending on how, and the way I, reason I would choose to go up slower with some people is because they're nervous about seeing the scale spike. Like they're not in a great position about like, I would, I, I, I'm not comfortable seeing that scale spike, which is going to do if we add in 500 calories, like it's going to, it's going to spike. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a common way that I will do it is we'll start with hundred calories week one, week two, then we'll add in the hundred calories for the, I usually do it like three days a week. Then we'll add in hundred calories for the rest of the week. So we're now hundred calories up across the week and then we'll go again. 
we'll add in another 100 calories three or four days a week and then catch up with the, with the rest of the week. And so over a month, two months, we get you up several hundred calories. I don't do that with everyone. Some people, they're not super worried about the scale. They've really gotten to a good place with the scale and they feel okay. Like understanding I am going to see an initial spike in the scale. And we just like up their calories, 300 calories a day, 500 calories a day, never more than that. Usually I start with like 300 a day, 350, and we just go to maintenance there with both groups. I really work on maintaining all of the habits that we have worked so hard to form during the deficit phase. Cause I really do find that's where people struggle because where the weight regain happens is when they bring back their pre-deficit habits as in like, now I'm not eating protein at every meal. And now I'm not eating my snacks, seated and plated, but I'm grazing again. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not considering like overall, like my, my day or my week, like where are these like bigger meals going to come in? And what I just realized it like, I like special evented myself way through three weeks, every day for three weeks. And I put on some weight. And so really maintaining those good habits, um, is a, a place I've spent a lot of time focusing on with either one of those types of clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The work does not end when the deficit is done. Really like, like KB, what you said, you're just getting started because now if you want to maintain these results that you've worked so hard for, then it does, it requires an identity shift. It's like a mindset. It's a different mindset. It's a different way of living, of being, of thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, can you be a little less rigid? Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I mean, like, deficit is going to have a range. Maintenance is going to have a range. So it's not like 1800 calories. And if I'm at 1805, well, I'm in a surplus all of a sudden, you know, like usually it is a couple hundred either way. So can you be a little, you know, less adherent for lack of a better word? Sure. But if you, you know, let that slide too much, then next thing, you know, you are going to be gaining that weight back. And just like it doesn't come on overnight when you gained it last time, it's going to be the same thing. It's this kind of like slow, insidious gain that maybe you don't even really realize. And the next thing you know, you look down and you're like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Um, So yeah, Kim, I think that's, that's all very, very helpful. Um, I was going to say something else about that. Oh, I, I, I'm just going to segue into kind of like one of the things that I do and have been doing more lately, because I used to do the more slow approach and I still will with some people, like I was mentioning earlier, like for the reasons you said, Ken, but if someone has been in a deficit for a very long time, so maybe they did have more weight to lose biofeedback was in a good spot and you know, they've been dieting for like, I don't know, six months, nine months, whatever they are probably going to be a little bit more metabolic, metabolically adapted. And so I don't do as quick of a, um, reverse, like in terms of calories. So I want to prevent that body fat overshooting, so to speak. Um, so maybe I'll titrate up a little bit slower in that case, but let's say someone was at like, you know, 12 weeks, it's like, okay, we're just going to bump you up as close to maintenance as we can. So typically I'll do like 90% of what they're predicted maintenance would be uh, because metabolism is going to be downregulated slightly just because you have been in a dieting phase. That's what bodies do. And then also now you are a lighter, smaller version of yourself. So you're no longer going to have the same maintenance calories that you did when you began the diet. So that's kind of what I like to do. So maybe let's say like 250 calories right out of the gate, get you out of that deficit as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. 
And then from there, I will walk up a little bit more slowly. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, and really quick, uh, because Kim, you did say like most people that come to you are the, I say that I'm 1200 or eating 1200 calories, but really, you know, bites, looks and tastes. And my weekends are completely off the walls. So I, I was the opposite of that. I had such a, a long history of, you know, um, under eating over exercising that I was that metabolically adapted case. And, and, but I mean, I'm telling you, like when I was adherent, I was adherent. Like I was double zeros across the board with all my macros for years, like tracked everything. Um, I was so militant about it. So I started working with a coach. Oh, I don't even know how long ago this was 2015, maybe. Um, and it was my first re reverse diet. And we definitely did the slower approach, like five grams of carbs and one gram of fat every week or every couple of weeks, see how the body responds, then go up from there just because my metabolism was so adapted at that point. But yeah, I think for the majority of people, it's the, the situation that you were mentioning, Kim, where <laughs> you're just not as honest as you think you are. Yeah. For, for people listening, probably more of you than not, or that case in Marcy's case, if, if it's going to be something like with Marcy, you're going to be somebody who's incredibly lean already. Who's exercising mm -hmm. an incredible mm -hmm. amount. Mm -hmm. So I don't want people listening and be like, Oh, like I have like a hundred pounds to lose. And that's me. That's not you. But if right. you're somebody who's like Marcy, who was already incredibly lean and exercising a lot, um, that could be you. Yes. That that's a very, very important and helpful distinction. Kim, thank you. I would say no matter which side you fall on, keeping in mind that the reverse diet into maintenance is really where the magic happens. Because when you are at the bottom of your cut, you are depleted. Like make no mistake. You may be, you're the smallest you've ever been in inches. Your stomach may be the flattest you've ever seen it in your life, but that is a false low. You are mm -hmm. depleted in calories. You are depleted in glycogen in your muscle stores. Um, hopefully God willing, you've been, you've been prioritizing protein and strength training. So you've lost as little muscle muscle as possible in that process. But just the act of putting more food into your digestive system is going to increase weight, which will allow you to do so many other beautiful things, like begin to really build the muscle that you've preserved through this whole process, and then start to live your life with the flexibility and, and like lifestyle that everybody wants and deserves and, and, and requires of like a holistically healthy being. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think a lot of people, and this was even my case too. I mean, I've been lifting for 20 years at this point and I thought I had way more muscle on me than I actually <laughs> did. So when I gained all that weight, a couple, uh, what was like five, four or five years ago at this point, like 20 pounds in almost three months, which is a lot for me. That was mostly body fat. Like you're not, especially if you've been lifting for a long time, you know, the newbie gains are no longer a thing. So that was majority body fat. And then when I went to diet it off and I spent all that time in a deficit and my calories had to get so low to your point, Katie, like, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was not functioning optimally at the end. And when I did get to the end, I was severely depleted, but I also realized, especially looking back, like I thought that I looked good at the end. And I was like, oh yeah, this, this is a, this is a good look for me. And then when I compare pictures from then to now, like I just did uh, progress pictures yesterday for the first time in a while. And I did the side-by-sides of it's, it's essentially almost two years to the day. I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. I had no idea how little muscle I had. It was crazy. So mm -hmm. any one round fat loss is not going to reveal, you know, this like dream body of yours, most likely. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, like you said, Kate, the, the reverse dieting into the maintenance 
really is where the magic happens because it allows you to, to kind of like rebuild again, to start Mm -hmm. at, at ground zero and work your way up, you know, and this is, that's why they call it a journey. It's not a one and done thing. So if you want to keep improving, you're going to have to go through those seasons, but doing it in the right way where you mitigate that over, you know, gaining the weight back too quickly, because then it's going to make the next diet phase that much more challenging because you have more weight to lose. But if you can mitigate the amount of weight that you gain while also putting on some muscle, then you're going to be, you're going to feel better. You're going to look better. And the next time you do decide to go into deficit, it's going to be an easier process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's an important point to end on here. What you said there, Marcy, um, the idea that most people aren't going to achieve their goal look in one round of fat loss. It will likely be multiple rounds of multiple things. So mm-hmm. fat loss, maintenance, focusing on muscle building, another fat loss phase, uh, people are sometimes stunned when they hear me say that they're just like, what do you mean? Like they get, when they join my program, they're not like, they're like, I know I'm not gonna be done in eight weeks, but they think they're going to be done after, I don't know, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it is of just pure fat loss. And then like, I've reached the, I've reached the goal. And they're often surprised when they hear like, oh, you're probably going to need a maintenance phase and then, you know, building some muscle and then coming back into another deficit. And they're like, I had no idea. That's yep. those before and after pictures that you look at, or that that usually some some coaches with a little less integrity like to show, where they'll say, "Oh, started at twelve hundred calories and now she's at twenty two hundred calories." What's the timeline there? Because that did not happen in one fat loss phase, one reverse phase. That was that was multiple. It was I would argue an increase like that is probably closer to years, not months. Yeah. Um, for I mean, for me personally, like I can look at my journey and see that um, I gained the most muscle and saw like the, the 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 greatest body recomposition after a fat loss phase into a maintenance phase into a building phase. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I saw the most muscle on my frame and I was the leanest I ever was at like twenty four hundred calories a day, not at like the eighteen fifty of my first cut. Mm-hmm. And that was a result of of cycling and building and fueling my body. Um, and, uh, really making it like a full-time effort. I think it, sh- it shouldn't go, um, unspoken that it is a, it, I don't say it's a job, but it's a lot of work. Like it definitely takes time, right? Especially if you want to do it with a level of precision that not everybody necessarily has easy access to. Like if you have like lots of children hanging off you or you work, you know, 60 hours a week and you manage your household and then regular stresses, like that. I look back at the time that I spent when I was really able to focus on my body. Um, and that was a unique time in my life. Like my children had just gone off to school. I was suddenly, I guess you could say gifted with a lot of time during the day. So I was doing meal prep. I was hitting all my workouts. Um, and that was not something I could have done at just any phase of my life. So I'm not saying a reverse diet is not accessible to everybody. It certainly is, but you know, don't get, upset about the results you don't get from the work you don't do, I guess is the point that I'm saying here, because it does take effort. It does require a level of precision and you can't just get to the bottom of your cut and be like, whoa, party time reverse. Here we come. Um, it's not exactly Mardi Gras. Yeah. Mardi Gras. Not at all. Mardi Gras. I think it uh, bears saying that not everybody needs to have like wild body goals. For Mm -hmm. some people, weight loss is simply about, I want to be healthier. This weight I have is not good for my joints. It's not good for my heart. It's not good uh, for me in any way, shape or form. And so I just want to lose. 
X number of pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. And that's all I want to do. And mm-hmm. like, I don't have like any kind of dream body composition goal. And that is so valid. And yeah. just working to like get that extra weight off so that you're healthier is fantastic. And then if you want to be done, you get to be done. Like mm-hmm. just keep your good, healthy habits up and you can be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's actually end it. Cause I think this is important. And for those who have never experienced a reverse diet before, let's talk about why the scale will go up at some point, because yeah. I still have clients come to me. They're like, why is it going up? When is it going to stop? And it's like, okay, let's you know take a step back and, you know, get logical about this. So yes, you will see an increase on the scale. Um, and you know, maybe like a couple of pounds. And also, like I said, your deficit and your maintenance is a range. Well, your weight is also a range. Like it's not just a stagnant number. So it's going to fluctuate a couple of pounds here and there. I've even seen people say like any, especially as women, like with hormones, like anywhere from like one to five pounds can be kind of normal. So just like take a deep breath, you know, realize that this is completely normal. You're not doing anything wrong. If you are going about it the right way, you're not getting sloppy with things, but you are eating more total calories, which means more food contents in your stomach. Also, if you are reversing, typically we do not reverse by increasing protein. We start with carbs, more carbs in like compared to fat. So maybe 10 grams of carbs and two grams of fat. Well, for every gram of carb that you eat, you also store around three grams of water. So that is also going to pull water in which will lead to an increase on the scale. And then now you have more what's called muscle glycogen, the stored form of carbohydrates in your body. Um, so that's going to carry weight as well. And then if you're crushing your workouts, hitting it hard, you know, maybe there's some like inflammation going on, things like that, which also leads to water retention. So these fluctuations that you see it's water, it's not body fat. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's Absolutely. important to know that so that you don't panic. All right. We've now each one of us have said, okay, let's end on this. We're really going to end on this though. I want to say one more thing and then we're ending. Nobody else saying <laughs> next week is our 100th episode Woo-hoo! of the of strength podcast. How about that ladies? That's wow. How about that consistency? Yeah. Well, We'll talk about it. We've had many different iterations of decades of strength, but decades of strength is now going to be at hundred episodes. We have a fun episode planned, including a giveaway. So make sure you listen to next week's episode and watch our social media accounts to see how you can um, get in on that. Yes. And now we're really ending. We're done. <laughs> All right. Thanks Go for being out. With us today. <laughs> thanks Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.